You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. This podcast was recorded on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh people. To learn more about the land you are on, visit native-land.ca. Welcome to Women's Health Interrupted, a women's health research cluster podcast. I'm Rebecca Barron. And I'm Sydney Clips. Through scientific inquiry and storytelling, this podcast brings you content about women's health from many angles. Welcome to this week's episode on the lack of information on perimenopause and menopause. Today on the show, we are so thrilled to be joined with Amanda Thebe, personal trainer, nutrition coach, and best-selling author of Menopocalypse, How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause and How You Can Too. Amanda is a force to be reckoned with, demystifying hormone replacement therapy, hormone-related stress, and weight gain to an international audience. We are so honored to have her here today on Women's Health Interrupted to talk to us about all things menopause, so buckle up for an exciting episode. Welcome to the show, Amanda. I'm buckling up. I'm excited. Let's do this. (laughs) Could you tell us about your experience with your quality of life during the start of your perimenopause journey, what you felt and how you dealt with the initial dismissiveness from your healthcare providers? Yeah, that's a really great question and a a great place to start because I've been a personal trainer and nutrition coach for quite a few decades now. I'm 50 years old and um, I'd never heard of perimenopause even the terminology perimenopause this is about eight years ago and i'd heard of menopause but i assumed it was just something you went through and then you came out the other side it really there really wasn't a lot of information there and i've always been fit and healthy and pretty robust as a a human being and when i turned 40 i was thinking look at me i'm pretty good at this aging thing you know like i'm i look good i feel good and i'm a good role model for women the same as me. And then I started to have at the age of 42 life altering symptoms that just were terrible. They impacted my mental health, my physical and emotional health and my relationships with my family and my friends. And anyway, I went to numerous specialists in the medical industry, in the medical community from neurologists, ENOs and throat doctors, vestibular rehabilitation, who were really helpful and really wanted me to feel better, but they just didn't know what was going on. They could recognize something wasn't right, but they didn't know what. And it was simply at an annual um, gynecology exam that my gynecologist just said, you know what, this is perimenopause. And I was like, what? What's perimenopause? (laughs) And, you know, since that, that was eight years ago, and I've learned a lot since that time. And um, I've been able to talk about it really openly. And I talk about it from the point of view as a woman who has gone through it, experienced it, and from the health and wellness industry. You know, and and I also talk about it with the standpoint that I need it to be evidence based because I want women to find the right information. These are my resources I use from the medical industry. I, I keep saying industry, medical um, 
organizations, but I don't pretend to be a doctor. You know, I don't pretend to like say, this is how I can help you. I'm like, these are the facts. You choose what you want to do now. <laughs> what type of advice would you give to people who are starting off on their perimenopause or menopause journey like you? Yeah, well, I think that the first thing is knowledge for sure, Rebecca, because one of the problems I had is I had like this two years in a wilderness where I didn't know what was going on and neither did the, my medical team. And so um, I find now that the information is a bit more readily available. Like, honestly, these last eight years have been quite groundbreaking in, in that respect. Um, and then so get tell women to just get educated, like read things like my book or there's um, the North American Menopause Society has tons of information there. And so that when you start to have symptoms that you don't recognize or that don't make sense to you, you can associate them with this time in a woman's life so that when you have that conversation with your medical provider, if that's the route you decide to go down, you're not like grasping at straws. You actually do know what's going on because unfortunately the medical community do not get training in menopause management. There's this massive black hole, hole in the um, knowledge base of like doctors, GPs. And so that women are being dismissed regularly and it's very unfortunate. Extremely unfortunate. And so along with healthcare provider um, education and training and really building up some of those resources, do you think, um, what are some of the key messages that you think from a, both a grassroots perspective and maybe a public health um, level that you, what do you wish women had access to from those other prongs if they're not getting it from their healthcare provider? Yeah, so I think that's such a great question. And I do think that the public health um, community do have a role in this because um, menopause affects 51% of the population. We're over half of the population. Um, there's millions of women in menopause right now, and they they literally do not have the support they need. And so what's happened is because of the, to the from the top level down, it, valid information isn't getting out to women. With, like from a grassroots movement, this generation of women are like saying, this isn't good enough. We demand better. We need to be heard. We, we, we need to be respected. And this doesn't just fall from like a public health perspective. This actually um, falls into line in the workplace where women are often um, like leaving their jobs because they can't cope with symptoms. They don't feel supported by their employer. Likely the employer doesn't know anything about this. I feel like there's a massive awareness campaign um, required. Um, and I even think it starts from an educational standpoint in the schools, because in the, in the education system, you know yourself, you haven't long been out of school. Like, you know, when you go through basic education, we, we learn about puberty and we learn about pregnancy and even post-pregnancy being um, health issues um, for, for women, but it, we don't even talk about menopause. Now in the UK, that's now part of the curriculum. They've had a massive campaign Wonderful. to raise awareness and it's also now um, spoke about in the workplace where provisions are in place for women to help them transition and make this journey easier and so I think that like it, it can be done but I just think it's a bit of an uphill battle and I really wish people at the top would look down and go yeah we can help you <laughs> but it doesn't look like it's happening. Absolutely and I think that just really speaks to um, the sexism that comes from all levels of our 
of our culture and and compounded by aging and how we look at aging in our culture as well. We can go there on that podcast. I'm so happy because actually menopause and ageism go hand in hand. You can't separate them. And it's it's terrible. And um, and we've got an unbiased media not representing us. We have societal expectations that have been fed to us for years and years about you being youthful, being thin, you know, fitting into a particular model. And anything outside of that is just frowned upon. And it's um, it's destructive. Yeah, I mean, media is such a powerful tool, but it can go like either way. It can either be super supportive, empowering women, or it could be super destructive, like you're saying, Amanda. So what resources would you suggest maybe for women who are going through menopause or perimenopause? There are some really great resources out there. And in fact, I actually think the UK have done a better job of providing resources. um, And it's slowly happening over here. The menopause community does have like a, a community body called the North American Menopause Society. Its website is menopause.org and there are loads of resources on there. And there's lots of community resources on social media. Social media is like taken over this helm because we're doing it from a grassroots level. I have a personal community group on Facebook and there's like 12,000 women in and we're all sharing. Um, but what's happening now is that um, like individual companies are coming out and saying, we'll do this, we'll take over where the, where the information is lacking. And so now there's some amazing like femtech women's led organizations where the CEOs and the CFOs and the COOs are all women and they're, and they're menopausal and they're like, we, uh, there's an information gap and we're going to fill it. And so one company called Genev, which is based in on the West Coast, provides telemedicine help for women who can't find a doctor. And that's typical because there's not that many doctors can help them. And also tons of information like menopause courses and downloadable PDFs that just help just give you the basic knowledge so that you don't flounder during this time. Absolutely. And we will certainly be linking to uh, those resources in our show notes below. Thank you for that. Um, Shifting gears a little bit um, into some of the more technical side, in regards to hormonal replacement therapy, um, despite proven safety, there are many people still hesitant about it and affordability is still a problem in some countries. Uh, What should our listeners know about that? Um, There was a study done in 2002, well, it was a long-term study um, looking at um, the impacts of estrogen on on the female body, Um, and it it abruptly stopped in 2002 with the headlines, estrogen can cause um, cardiovascular disease and breast cancer, and and the production and like the the prescriptions of estrogen therapy for um, menopause completely stopped in its tracks. Since that time, most, most um, of the researchers on that um, study have come out and said that it wasn't a complete study and they've like they've retracted the statement and they, in fact, now the overarching statement, even from the menopause governing bodies, is that hormone replacement therapy should be the first-line treatment for perimenopause for the vast majority of women. There always are going to be some women that can't take it. But what the hormone therapy does is it um, adds a small amount of estrogen back into the system of a woman's body that allows that 
like um, some of those crazier symptoms to calm down a little bit. And um, we know that there are at least 34 symptoms. When when you talk it anecdotally to women, there's got to be more than 50, 60. But, you know, we know there are a significant number of um, symptoms in menopause. And the reason is, is that despite the majority of estrogen being produced in a woman's ovaries, we have receptors all over the body. And estrogen is a dominant female hormone that protects our heart, our brains, our bones, it's in our tendons and our muscles and our joints, it's in our guts, it's everywhere. So symptoms can just completely riddle a woman's body and make no sense at all. And sometimes these symptoms can be life-altering. Depression, anxiety, um, cognitive impairment are huge symptoms of perimenopause that can, um, you know, lead to life-altering decisions like divorce, suicide. Those rates are impacted during this time of a woman's life. And so it's um, really important that women should be offered the choice if that's what they want to do and if it's valid for them. Um, but they, women, some women do hold on to the, the risk that it does cause breast cancer, but we can categorically say that it does not cause breast cancer. And in fact, some things like lifestyle choices, like drinking two glasses of wine a night, will put you at a higher risk of breast cancer. Absolutely. So important to know. And especially because uh, you had mentioned in the past that sometimes, you know, women aren't experiencing symptoms the same. They may not be experiencing the same degree of symptoms. And so some, those estrogen dips um, and those resulting symptoms can be masked as well, further compounding the issue. And, and and without knowing what you're going through, and if a woman is experiencing cognitive issues or neurological impacts, say depression, and she goes to her doctor and, and gets an antidepressant, which is usually what's prescribed to perimenopausal women incorrectly, um, they... Um, it may help them for some time, but then other symptoms may come along and the antidepressants aren't going to help them for those. And so the misdiagnosis is very frustrating because it just feels like an uphill fight the whole time. And we know that 75% of women will, will suffer with perimenopausal symptoms. Um, and of those, about 20% will be life altering. So it's, it's a big deal. And we need, we need a bit more attention, you know, Sydney. Absolutely. Those are staggering statistics. And um, I think that just really speaks to going back to the education component, um, particularly for the healthcare pro providers surrounding um, the prescribing of antidepressants. And then, and, and I did miss the one bit there, one of the myths that sort of like surrounding, and I think that a lot of women do actually believe is that, you know, that menopause is something we just go through and then we come out the other side almost, it is a transition, it's called menopause transition. But the fact of the matter is perimenopause is when the hormones do start to um, decline. Menopause is known as estrogen deficiency. And so as the hormones decline and the estrogen fluctuates as it goes down, it sort of roller coasters down. Um, that, that can last between eight to 10 years and start in a woman's late 30s. And then you go through menopause when your periods have stopped after 12 months and then anything after that, you're considered to be postmenopausal. Well, that's the state your body will be in for the rest of your life. And potentially that could be 30 or 40 years. 
and your body is different. You don't have the protective element of estrogen in the body. And so therefore your health markers completely change. That's when we become open to risk of the major diseases like cardiovascular disease, stroke, Alzheimer's, osteoporosis. So, so it's a dynamic thing that we go through for the rest of our lives. It's not just a, oh, I haven't had a period for 12 months. There you go. It's, I wish it was. <laughs> Yeah, I think too often as well, like women tend to normalize these issues and say, oh, it's just anxiety. It's just depression. Um, but like, how do you tell women or how do you let them know that it's not just that? I know it's so true. And I actually had this very same conversation with somebody yesterday. Why do we do that as women? I think it's just our coping mechanism. I think that's natural for a woman to do. We tend to put other people before us all the time. And so we don't want to inconvenience them with our symptoms potentially. Um, and it's also learned behavior. Like the generation before us never, never said anything. I didn't know this was coming. Um, interestingly, interestingly enough, your generation are like, oh no, you, you lot get it fixed. You boomers fix this because when we go through it, we want everything in place. And, and I love that about your generation, but yeah, I think that, you know, um, a lot of women suffer in silence. A lot of women's compl personalities completely change and they lose that zest for life and they sort of just go through life without really participating. And that's no way to live. And, and I don't believe any woman should ever suffer. I, I akin it to like having a child or dying. Both of those are very natural experiences, but we don't need to suffer through them. And this is a time that a woman definitely doesn't need to suffer. And so I just would like encourage her to take control of her health because it may just feel like she doesn't feel herself, but the impacts of losing that estrogen impact the whole body. And, you know, there could be long-term impacts of that. Absolutely. I love that you touched on the dynamism and um, the unnecessary suffering because we have solutions and we have treatments and, and no woman should have to go through that. Um, finally, Amanda, you do so much work in education and advocacy around this issue, um, which we and so many people are thankful for. So for you, what's it all for? Yeah, I don't want women like being in the dark about this. It's it's hard enough not knowing what's going on with your body, right? But then to then have to go and advocate for yourself and fight just to be heard is just even more frustrating. So I just want women to have education and knowledge because the minute that you have a tiny bit of knowledge, you can then have choice. And that choice is currently not available to most women. Um, I went through an experience myself where I knew I wanted to go on hormone replacement therapy. I went to my GP and he refused because it said he said it would cause breast cancer. Well, unfortunately, he had me as a patient. And so I told him I even went with I printed it all the studies out and showed him he then like um long story short, gave me the therapy that I wanted, but then emailed me when he got home and said, thank you, because I didn't know. I didn't know that this was even an option for women. We don't get taught this in medical school. And even our gynecologists, there's only 1,000 gynecologists that are registered in, in North America right now. It's shocking. And so um, when I, that's why I say it's a grassroots movement. We now have to pave the way so that the medical community listen, our workplace listens and our um, daughters and nieces going through school aren't blindsided by this really important time of a woman's life. 
That's so powerful. And I think your book as well, Menopocalypse, How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause, definitely touches on those issues. So do you want to speak a little bit more to um, what you wrote and what you wanted to share to the wider community? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, so I'm a personal trainer and nutrition coach. And so that's definitely where I always like lead my argument from, like with everything, right? Because lifestyle has such an important impact on everybody's overall mental and physical health, right? So I, I essentially wrote a book so I could explain to women what menopause was um, and what the treatment options were, should they choose to take them and what some of the physiological changes in the body are. So like I just set the ground rules for women and say there you go that's what it is and then I then I really encourage them to like harness the power of their own choice whether that's through nutrition through strength training I know we haven't really even touched on that, that yet because I'm such a talker on strength training on daily movement stress management sleep quality and then the overall mindset of like how we approach this time of our lives and how we then sort of like forge forward with a resilient mindset um, Amanda, along with your book, which um, is available widely, where else can people find you? Yeah, if you just go to amandathebe.com, I have like everything linked from there. So I'm probably most active on Instagram. I'm a little bit saucy and uh, I try to keep it funny and lighthearted, but also do try to provide valid information. And I give a lot of free information out. Um, but anyway, you can find it all through amandathebe.com. And it also links to outlets to be able to pick the book up as well. Amanda, we just want to thank you so much for your time and your expertise for sharing um, so freely all of your experiences. And um, we really appreciate your time and all that you do. So thank you. I thank you both very much for allowing me to come on today. Thank Absolutely. you so much, Amanda. Thank you. got a few new synapses firing for you be sure to subscribe on whichever platform you get your podcasts to hear our episodes when they drop every second wednesday each month get in touch with us we welcome any questions and constructive feedback you can email us at womenshealth.interrupted at ubc.ca or find us on twitter at research on wh or on instagram at whr cluster to learn more about this topic, check out our show notes at womenshealthresearch.ubc.ca. We would like to thank the Michael Smith Foundation, BioTalent Canada, Patreon, and the UBC Global Lounge for their generous support of this project. We would also like to thank the UBC Medicine Learning Network and its wonderful staff for hosting our podcast. And a special thank you to Catherine Moore, who manages the Women's Health Research Cluster for all of her work in the development of this initiative. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful day or evening wherever you are, and please take care of yourselves. Wishing you 
good health. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 